Hello, 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 and welcome to Wake Up to the Word, New Testament Friday. We are coming to you from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex, and uh, we are so happy that you are here. It is Friday, and uh, and uh, my wife is texting me, so... Uh, We will um, be getting into the word. So, uh, my mystery it continues. T-shirt back there on the keyboard. <clears throat> Wake up to the word T-shirt. I suspected that it was Bob and Cindy, um, but uh, as yesterday's episode, I threw that out there. They have replied, "Not them, not them." So the mystery continues. I don't know who sent the t-shirt. I don't know who ordered it. I, I don't know where it came from. So, da, da, da. I don't have that sound effect. But uh, here we go. So the mystery continues. We will look into the mystery of the t-shirt and report back to you. I did not have uh, dark magic uh, this morning. Usually I have the same coffee. Uh, Thursday and Friday, but I am rev, rev coffee, revved up, and I'm revving, I'm, re yeah, baby. <laughs> so, that one wakes you up, there's no doubt about it, so, um, <clears throat> so we have our reading for today, uh, Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 5, and Matthew 9, do you have your your uh, daily reading plan? Uh, if you don't have it, you can go to uh, um, wakeuptotheword.org, <clears throat> get your very own. Uh, you can put get yourself on the email list. I'll email it right to you, and uh, we'll get you one. Um, uh, if you want one immediately... Then go to lifecoast.org and what's happening and the Bible reading plan is there because it is our Life Coast Bible reading plan. We're going to read through the Bible in, in just a couple of years. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> um, so, uh, did I have anything else to report? Let me think. I don't think so. So we have our, our, our Bible reading, Mark 5 and Matthew 9. Well, Mark 5 is reruns, and I told you that was going to happen in the Gospels because there's several reports of the same incident. So Mark chapter 5 has Jesus healing a man with demons when he goes out of, of, of Israel, out of Jerusalem, into the foreign soil. And if you watched Word on Wednesday last night, we talked about that, and we're going to talk about it more next Wednesday in our final, our final episode of foundations uh the first 12 chapters of genesis so uh go go get that um and you can look at that on facebook and uh at life coast family page um and uh you can you can watch that if you if you so desire um so uh also we got mugs sorry doing my advertising we got mugs if you want them Wake up to the word mugs. You can get your very own coffee mug with a lovely blue inside. And that you can get that for your very own 
Um, so, uh, as I said, we get Mark chapter 5 is reruns. It's uh, Jesus heals the man, the demon, and uh, uh, the, the key phrase there is, what do you have to do with me? Because the demon uh, was surprised that Jesus went out of Israel, out of the Jerusalem area, because that is not the land taken by the God Most High. So, um, and then he, Jesus heals a, a woman and uh, the daughter of Jairus who is dead. We've done both of those accounts. And so Matthew 9 is where we're going to sit today. So let us uh, get started. Let's get ready to rumble! We're going to wrestle with the word. Here we go, Jesus in uh, heals a paralytic in Matthew chapter 9. <clears throat> so he gets into the boat, uh, goes across, uh, came to his own city, and behold, some people brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when the man saw that the faith said to the paralytic, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. So this is where the controversy begins. <clears throat> so the scribe said to him, this man is blaspheming, blaspheming. But Jesus knew their thoughts. Got that going for him, obviously. Why do you think evil in your hearts? Well, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise up and walk? What's easier to say? Uh, but that you may know, Jesus said, that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home, and the crowd saw it. They were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. <clears throat> so, interesting phrase there. So, the crowd saw they were afraid, but they glorified God. <clears throat> this is the kind of thing that God calls us to do. This is the kind of thing that Jesus is demonstrating, is that we have the power to walk with people. We have the power to, to get, turn them over to God, to point them to God, to let the Holy Spirit do His thing. And... Uh, it says, who had given such authority to men? Jesus gives us, says, we'll do even greater things than these. But they thought he was blaspheming. And the reason they thought he was blaspheming is because they didn't look at him as Messiah. Regardless of what he was doing, they looked at him as uh, someone who was usurping their authority. And when an authority <clears throat> struggles with losing that authority, then they do not, they know that their time is almost up. That's right. Because when someone like Jesus comes along, obviously the crowds are going to uh, turn towards him. They're going to... They're gonna they're gonna go away from what these people are teaching. They're gonna go towards what Jesus is teaching. <clears throat> There's more about this as we go, and so I'm I'm gonna um, hold off uh, diving into this. But then Jesus calls Matthew. These these things seem to be 
um, sequential. Uh, Jesus passed from, from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting in a tax booth. He said, follow me. And Matthew rose up and followed him. And then he went and had dinner with Matthew and other tax collectors came and sinners. And the Pharisees saw this and they, and they said to the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And then Jesus heard this, <laughs> always listening. Those who are well need no physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. <clears throat> You'd think that would be an obvious statement. The people who are well don't need a physician, but the people who are sick, those are the ones that need a physician. The people who are lost, they need someone to point them. They need a savior. They need the one who's going to heal them spiritually. Okay? It seems pretty easy to me, but we have eyes to see as we're followers of Christ. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He says, go and learn what this means. He tells the Pharisees, you, 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 you need to know what this means. If you can't figure this out, then you're obviously not following me. So he says, this next statement is great. This needs a little parsing. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, what does that mean? I desire mercy, not sacrifice. These Pharisees and scribes, these are the ones that do everything right. Dot the I's, cross the T's, honor the days, wear the clothes, don't go to the places, don't touch the things, don't eat the stuff, eat only this stuff. <clears throat> they are sacrificing and always pointing to themselves. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. Look at me, look at me, look what I know, look what I do, look at the things that I do, look at me. And though there's nothing necessarily wrong with sacrifice, Sacrifice without mercy does not point to Christ. And so that's what he's saying. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. If you're only going to do one, do mercy, not sacrifice. If you're only going to do sacrifice, then that doesn't point to Jesus. That points to you. The most humble person sometimes can be the person that's always pointing to themselves. They go, the poor me, poor me. Look at what I don't have. Look at what I don't do. Look at what I look at what I give up. And they're always pointing to themselves. But it's the person who has mercy that points to Jesus. That they go help others. They give to the poor. They walk with those in need. They pray for those who are sick and those who are hurting. Because they have mercy on them. Because they want them to hear about Jesus. That's the distinction. That's the mercy. He, want, he desires mercy and not sacrifice. <clears throat> it's more of a mercy over sacrifice. If you do sacrifice because it gets you closer to God, there's nothing wrong with that. But if it comes before mercy for others, if it comes before forgiveness then it's in its wrong order and it's and it's you pointing to you because he came not to call the righteous but the sinners so if you're already walking a righteous life and you think you know i i i got this down and then you're not 
walking with people. You're not pointing other people to Christ. You're not having mercy on those who are lost. You're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. And we're going to talk there's more about that because he quantifies it with his next things that he says. Because he gets asked the question by one of John's disciples, and he kind of lumps them in with the Pharisees, which is kind of odd to me. But <clears throat> then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we, disciples of John, and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Interesting. We've had this question before a different way. They eat and drink, and we don't We don't eat and drink, but they, the people following you eat and drink. <clears throat> and here's what you, how's, here's how, retake. And, and uh, here's how Jesus responded. Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one and then he continues on. And there's two little things here that people, they speak it, they say it, but they don't really equate it with what the question is from John's disciples here. No one puts a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and, the, and, the, and, the, and a worse tear is made. Neither... Is new wine put into an old wineskin? If it is, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, so both are preserved, both the wine and the wineskin. Okay, how does that relate to the question? Jesus is looking for the pliable heart, the pliable soul, the one that's willing to stretch and grow and let God be magnified within. The, the unshrunken cloth, the piece of unshrunken cloth on an old garment, the old garment is not going to be pliable. It's done all its shrinking. So you, you put the unshrunken cloth in there, and it's going, to, it's going to shrink, and it's going to ruin the garment. And you put the, the new wine into old wineskins. The wineskins have stretched as far as they can go. You put new wine into it, it's going to burst it because, because the fermenting makes it expand. So you need to have a new wineskin because it has not done its, its, uh, its, its uh, fermenting yet. It is not, is not uh, uh, pressed out. <clears throat> so as we receive the Holy Spirit, we are supposed to be pliable. We're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be stretching and expanding. And so... Why Why did they not fast? Because the bride was there. It's time for celebration. It's not, it's time for, for growing. It's time for being pliable. It's time for, for understanding. It's time for greater things to, to be happening for, for the growth, to set the foundation, to, to set the, uh, the, the skin right. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to grow while it's new wine. Same thing with new believers. Uh, or same thing with the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who are righteous or people who are uh, who say they are godly or they are staunch in their beliefs because God desires mercy and not sacrifice. People who are staunch in their sacrifice, they struggle in understanding this. This is the same thing that happens here uh, in the first story when the crowd comes. 
they didn't understand why Jesus would say, you're forgiven of your sins. And then he tells them, pick up your mat and walk. So he shows them that he's God. He can forgive the sins. <clears throat> so we need to have that pliable heart. We need to be growing and learning and understanding and, and being willing to stretch and have mercy for those who are also stretching. And uh, to be the legalistic, to be uh, staunch in your doctrine. Um, yeah, it's great to have good doctrine. It's great to understand the word of God, but it's even better to have mercy and walk with those who, who may not have as much knowledge or information or haven't been in the Bible as long or as young in their faith and walk with them, have mercy for their uh, their learning process, for their expanding. Let their wineskin start to stretch. This is why I love doing this. I love helping people stretch their wineskin and, and grow in their faith and have mercy for people. And, and there's too much of this dogmatism. There's too much of this staunch doctrinalism. And, and though I believe it's, it's important to understand the word of God, it's important to have, uh, to, to, to rightly divide the word of truth, as it says in Timothy, um, because I believe there's a wrong way to do it. But also, we need to have mercy for those who are not as far along. Walk with them gently. Ask good questions. Uh, help their wineskin expand, uh, rather than pointing a finger and saying, uh, you got it wrong, blasphemer, and uh, what, <laughs> or however it comes out. We want to be able to bring people along in their faith so that they can bring people along in their faith. This should be a repeating process. <clears throat> so the very next thing is, is a girl restored to life and a woman healed. Um, this is the same basic one about the woman with the, with the issue of blood and the girl healed. Uh, so I'm going to skip down to the to the next one. He heals two blind men. Um, and uh, Jesus passed on from there, and two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on a son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe I am able to do this? And uh, they said to him, Yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, uh, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly, sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. I thought it was interesting that the translation is see. See that no one knows about it. I, yeah. I didn't look it up in the original. Let's see if Jesus actually said that. See that, see that no one knows. I don't know if it plays as well in uh, Aramaic or Greek, but um, it did in English, so I went with it. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but they went away and spread his fame through all the distance. So apparently even a stern warning from Jesus uh, doesn't stop people from telling people when Jesus heals them. <clears throat> this seems to be a pattern. Um, but Jesus, again, is telling someone who's a Jew uh, not to spread the word. And, and uh, this is kind of a conundrum because he tells the Gentiles, go tell everyone, go tell them all. And, but uh, the Jews, he says, not to. But they always do. So it's it's a conundrum. It's a conundrum. 
Um, Jesus heals a man uh, unable to speak. And this is another demonic thing. A demon-oppressed man who is mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowd marveled, saying, Never has anyone like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisee said, He casts out demons by the prince of demons. You see, the Pharisees, they're not pliable. That's old wineskin. It's, they had their, their doctrine, they had their authority, they had their place, they had their position, and they were unwilling to bend or yield. The wineskin was bursting, the garment was tearing. They could not figure this out because they could not allow themselves to be pliable, to unlearn the things that they'd learned or add to the things that they'd learned. And here's a here's a cool thing picked up on this morning. <clears throat> Seen it before in other places, but uh, not this particular spot. But <clears throat> Jesus went through all the cities and the villages, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. Underline that in your Bible, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I'm going to come all the way back to the gospel of the kingdom. Did you go back and underline it? I don't have a timer there. If you didn't, you got you failed. The gospel of the kingdom. So what is he proclaiming now? Because <clears throat> a lot of people say the gospel obviously is good news. We know that that translates as good news. Okay? And that's important. But many people think that the gospel is that Christ died for your sins, dead, buried, and, and rose again on the third day, conquering sin and death, that when we call on his name, that we are, we are saved. Those who believe in their hearts, confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, are saved. That is a gospel message. That's the gospel of salvation. Here's, this is not the gospel of salvation. This is the good news of the kingdom. It's very specific. And when you look through scripture, you're going to notice that sometimes the gospel has a different tag on it. Sometimes it's the gospel of salvation. Sometimes it's the gospel of truth. Sometimes it's the gospel of the kingdom. This is the gospel of the kingdom because Jesus is here proclaiming that the kingdom of God is at hand because he is there. He is there. He's the king. He's offering himself legit ticket to ride offer for Jesus to be the king on David's throne in Israel, in Jerusalem, but he's coming in to win hearts, the hearts of a nation. <clears throat> this is the gospel, the good news of the kingdom. The other reason this is important, that term good news is not coined by Jesus coming with the gospel there was there was uh, a 
a process by which, uh, particularly in Rome and other surrounding areas, where when a new uh, emperor, a new governor, a new leader, um, when he came into power in an area, in a region, he always dispatched a flyer that said, good news, the good news of whoever it is, Herod, the good news of Pilate, the good news of, because this is what the kingdom, the village, the city, the nation, this is what this leader is going to bring. And it would lay out the rules, the good news of the kingdom now with this ruler. So when Jesus came and said, I'm preaching the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom of God, this was a direct assault, a direct pushback on all the leaders in all the places, and particularly in Israel right there, because he's bringing the good news of the kingdom. So he was using their language to demonstrate kingdom authority. So you can understand why this wasn't going well, okay? Uh, but Jesus was bringing the truth, and he was telling, talking of the kingdom of God coming. Now let's get up to the harvest. First, he had the sheep without a shepherd. People just, they need uh, shepherds, under shepherds, they need leaders, they need people who are called, just like we talked about uh, the message I gave <clears throat> a while back uh, regarding authority and uh, within the church, there's uh, apostles, um, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Th th these are needed. These leaders are needed within each church structure in order for the people to, to both be instructed, to, to follow, to have care, to, to, uh, because otherwise uh, they're harassed and helpless uh, like sheep without shepherds. Now, obviously, Christ is the good shepherd. He's the main shepherd. Uh, but there's under shepherds. There's leaders that God calls to walk with people because how God wants the gospel of the kingdom to go forward, the gospel of salvation to go forward, every gospel that he professed, how he wants it to go forward is through the local church. And the local church needs people who train the body of Christ to go out into the harvest. Ah, that fits in nicely. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Here's the thing. <clears throat> when you look out, he says the, the harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. People think, oh, this is going to be easy. We're going to go out there. We're going to bring them in. If you're a farmer, gardener, if you've done anything with farming, I remember once when I was young, uh, an uncle uh, hired us. I wasn't there all the time. Um, but the hay came in, and it was rolled up, and we had to go and, and load it. Oh, my gosh, is that hard work. <laughs> Yeah, I did that once. <laughs> but um, the harvest is hard because it's ready now. And you have to go out and get it. You have to go 
pull it up correctly. You have to wrap it correctly. You have to store it correctly. You have to move it a certain way. There's systems and processes that it takes for the harvest to happen. Regardless of what you're harvesting farm-wise, there's a certain way to do it. And it's always in the heat. It's always out in the with the elements and there's there's always um fatigue and uh weather and things in the way <clears throat> and you have to prepare and you have to go out and it's hard work and this is why the lord of the harvest pray to the lord of the harvest to send out what people who are going to sit around and watch no laborers people who are going to get into the mix People who are going to get into the field and work. Harvesting is hard. But Jesus has called us to it. We got to get into the field. We have to get trained up. We have to walk with people. And just to let you know, uh, coming up soon, uh, we are going to have uh, some uh, opportunities for discipleship training at Life Coast Church because uh, the harvest is ripe. And uh, we have lots of people who have gone through our Rooted program, and we're going to be offering out those who completed Rooted can learn how to walk with somebody with something we've developed called Seeds. And uh, it just helps people. It's kind of a pre-Rooted to walk with people who are newly saved or young in their faith so they can begin their process and they can take a next step after that. They can get into a Rooted group when the semester comes up. But we want to get the process started as early as possible. And so that's coming up very soon. Wanted you to know about it. Because the harvest is ripe. And the workers are few. Thank you so much for joining us here at Wake Up to the Word. New Testament Friday. We are glad you've joined us. And we hope to see you next week when we'll have a different coffee for you to try. 